Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 559 for the 10th of September, 2017. Dark rooms, drafting tables, video suites, all these used to be where photographers, designers, and video editors spent most of their time. Then they were able to move much of the work to desktop computers. Now, some of the work can be done outside on a tablet or even on a phone. How about a 400 gigabyte memory card for your phone or tablet? You could buy one today. It's expensive, but not as expensive as you might think. In short circuits, Equifax says data from 143 million consumers has been exposed in a data breach. With the exception of a few specialized applications, I've all but given up on third-party protective software. I'll explain why. In spare parts, only on the website, backup software publisher Acronis has added several useful new features to this year's version of True Image. Adobe and Microsoft have agreed to cooperate with each other on enterprise-wide applications. And a survey of security professionals says some of the most dangerous applications are the ones we use every day. Adobe has so many applications that run on mobile devices that it's hard to keep track of them all. Some are aimed at professional photographers, designers, and videographers. Others are intended more for amateurs. That doesn't mean amateurs can't use the pro apps or vice versa. It just means that you may need some guidelines to tell the applications apart. The number reduced slightly when Adobe combined color, shape, brush, and hue into a single new application called Capture. Work done in Capture can be used by Adobe's video, design, and photographic applications. Several new applications have been added, though. These include three applications with Spark in the name, Spark Page, Spark Post, and Spark Video. Although intended primarily for non-professionals, each has capabilities that might be exactly what a pro needs in some circumstances. This is similar, I think, to how cameras are being used today. A professional photographer may be carrying thousands of dollars worth of gear and yet choose to use the camera in a smartphone when it's applicable. The Spark applications are used to create quick website pages, graphics for social media, and short videos. Designers have five apps to reach for. Illustrator Draw, Photoshop Sketch, Comp CC, Experience Design, and Preview. Photographers can use Lightroom Mobile not only to edit photographs, but also to capture raw images from those mobile devices that support raw images. You'll also find Mix, and Fix, Mix to combine multiple images, Fix to allow retouching on a mobile device. There's also Photoshop Express and Photo Editor by Aviary. Now, the last one is promoted by Adobe and free to download, but it's a free version and there are some paid components. Behance and Portfolio also have mobile versions that make it possible for people to show off their own work and find other artists. The applications were game-changers when they were introduced a few years ago, and as they mature and gain additional features, they open the door for photographers, designers, and videographers. Literally, open the door. 
tasks that once would have been possible only on a desktop computer can now be accomplished in the field. And the field could be an actual field, or a wedding reception, or a spot at the beach, or a chair in the backyard. The mobile applications aren't replacements for the desktop applications, and you can't do everything on a mobile device. But they provide a way to get a jump start on work that you'll need to do in the studio. Let's say, for example, I have a client in the Tishman Building in New York City. I don't, by the way. And let's say the client is located on the 75th floor. That would be remarkable in a 41-story building. They'd like me to design a small card that'll be included with every pumpkin for a cat that they ship. That's right, pumpkins for cats. Pumpkins are every bit as important to cats as bicycles are to fish. Well, while in the Tishman Building, I might grab an image of a cat with a pumpkin for use on the left side of the card, set the company name in orange using a display typeface, contact information in a standard serif face, and a bold tagline. Now, in reality, the typefaces for the company name and the tagline that I show on the TechBiter Worldwide website probably wouldn't be used in the final work, but they're enough to show the client what I'm thinking. Once the client has approved the concept, I can send it to InDesign, Photoshop, or Illustrator so that it'll be ready for me to finalize when I get back to my office. So that's an example of using Adobe Comp. The Spark applications, as I said, are primarily intended for use by non-designers. So let's take a look at what you can do with Spark Post. The example is on the TechBiter Worldwide website this week. One of our cats likes to sleep under a blanket, but she doesn't like to be picked up. Well, I picked her up, and that's bad, and then stuffed her under a blanket. That's good. That seemed like kind of an amusing message for a Facebook post. So I opened Spark Post, selected Facebook as the target size, grabbed a cat image. The cat is not the one I picked up and stuffed under the blanket, by the way. Then I added some text. Check it out on the TechBiter Worldwide website. See what the application did automatically. It selected a text color that matches the color in the image. It selected a background color that is exactly the same as the background of the image. And it formatted the text in an interesting way. The whole process took less than five minutes. Then it took me to Facebook, allowed me to type a message, and completed the post. The mobile photo apps are the ones that interest me the most. It's not uncommon even for a professional photographer to use the camera in a smartphone these days to take a picture. Depending on the desired use, the image quality is adequate despite the tiny sensors used in smartphones. But smartphones rarely offer the option of storing a raw image file. Current smartphone models, such as the Google Pixel, can, with the right application, save a raw image. The right application is Adobe Lightroom Mobile. It has a built-in camera application that can save DNG files. The DNG format was created by Adobe to address several problems with standard RAW files. Every camera manufacturer has its own specifications for RAW files, and these differ even between camera models from the same manufacturer. Additionally, when RAW files are edited by applications such as Lightroom, a separate sidecar file is created to describe the changes. The DNG format can store the images from any camera manufacturer, and changes are incorporated into the file. Adobe has patented the format, but makes it freely available to anybody who wants to use it. Even if you have a smartphone or a tablet that supports RAW images, you won't see that option in the camera application that's included with the phone. Instead, you'll need to open Lightroom Mobile and choose the camera function. 
then you'll be able to choose either JPEG or DNG. In many cases, JPEG is sufficient. The files are much smaller for one thing, and smartphones do have limited amounts of memory. But more about that in a bit. Two more problems exist with the DNG format. The smartphone will quickly become quite warm. One might even say hot. In fact, hot would be exactly the right word to use. And the battery will drain about as fast as a bathtub that's been attacked by a rampaging unicorn, even though they're mythical. So the general rule for smartphones is to use the JPEG format unless you know you'll need extensive exposure or color correction. Still, it's nice to know you have that option when you need it. If you're a Creative Cloud user, any photograph you create with Lightroom Mobile will be synchronized automatically with Lightroom on your computer. But you can start working on it immediately, right on the phone or on the tablet. To explore the capabilities of the mobile apps, I selected a really old picture from 2002 of my older daughter. The EXIF data shows that the image is 15 years old, that it's a JPEG, and that it's relatively low resolution, just 2240 by 1680. So the picture already has three strikes against it. Additionally, there's a bit of a magenta cast. Be sure to check these images out on the TechBiter Worldwide website. My first change was to push the overall color temperature toward the warmer side of the scale. This controls the yellow-blue balance. And then I pulled the tint slider slightly toward the green side of the scale. Tint controls the green-magenta balance. Even though this is an old JPEG image, the improvement is significant. Then I noticed some folds in the neckline. Now these aren't really objectionable. After all, when people bend or turn their head, the skin must fold. But if I wanted to reduce or remove the effect, Photoshop Fix would be the tool to use. Once you open an image in Fix, all you need to do is choose the operation you want, which would be Spot Heal, Patch, Clone, or Fix Red Eye. Then select the brush and the hardness, make the changes you want, and then return the image to Lightroom Mobile. You'll notice in the screen capture on the TechBiter Worldwide website that back in Lightroom Mobile, the original image has been joined by two new images. The changes made are non-destructive, meaning you can always get back to the original photo. There are two images from Fix because I ran through the process twice. When I returned to the desktop computer, the two new images had been automatically synced with the original. Now I could use any of Lightroom's editing functions and even push the image over to Photoshop if I wanted to perform any pixel-level editing. Now, all these mobile applications from Adobe are free, but there's a little bit of a catch. They're somewhat limited for users who don't have a paid Creative Cloud subscription. The capture, organize, and sharing features in Lightroom Mobile are available, as are many of the editing features. However, a paid subscription adds the ability to edit RAW files and use the local adjustment tool. There's also synchronization of photos on all devices, including your computer, and the ability for mobile applications such as Mix, Fix, and the Spark applications to work with synchronized files. Lightroom is available as part of several Creative Cloud plans and as an application with a perpetual license. Only the Creative Cloud version of Lightroom can be used with the mobile apps. The bottom line here, five cats, you do need a subscription for best results, but it's worth it. Although the free mobile applications are useful without the Creative Cloud subscription, their real power becomes evident when you add a subscription. The cost ranges from $50 per month for all of the applications 
to $20 for a single application, but I think there's an irresistible option for photographers, $10 a month for Lightroom, Photoshop, and all the mobile applications. Those who don't need the video, audio, website, and publishing applications will find everything they need in Creative Cloud Photography. You'll find additional details on the Adobe website. There is a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. It is now possible to capture raw images, not just JPEG files, on some phones. If the hardware is capable and you're using Lightroom's mobile application, RAW is an option. But RAW images take up much more space than compressed JPEGs. Instead of a file that's 2 or 3 megabytes, you may have one that's 10 or 20 megabytes, or maybe even more. How much storage is available on your phone? Well, for phones that can accept micro SD cards, storage is about to get larger, a lot larger. That's good because in addition to high-res photo files, some of these phones are capable of shooting 4K video. Check out the picture on the TechBiter Worldwide website. It is not a hoax photo. It is an image that's considerably larger than real life of a micro SD card. Nothing special there, but notice the numbers on the card. This card holds 400 gigabytes of data. This isn't a card about the size of your fingernail. Pop this into your smartphone or tablet if you need to carry around enormous amounts of data. These cards are 1 millimeter thick, 15 millimeters wide, 11 millimeters tall. That's about 6 tenths by 4 tenths of an inch. How much are you going to pay for this thing? Maybe you're thinking $1,000. Go lower. $500? Eh, go lower. How about $250? That is a lot to pay for a memory card, true. But that's a gigantic amount of memory and a form factor designed for phones and tablets. If you have an Apple phone or tablet, sorry, not for you. Apple doesn't provide SD slots for extra memory. Those who want to add extra memory to an Apple device will need to buy the memory and then pay a technician to disassemble the device and install it. And sometimes even that isn't possible. It's also not an option for those who have a Google Pixel phone, and that includes me. These cards can hold up to 40 hours of full HD video and feature transfer speeds up to 100 megabytes per second. But they're not only for phones. Computers such as Microsoft's Surface Pro tablet also have micro SD slots. Those who use these tiny computers often load them up with Adobe's photo and video applications, so the ability to store a lot of data is welcome. If you check out the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll see an image that looks pretty familiar. It's one that I actually used last week. I used Photoshop to add the micro SD card to the picture, so now you see the large black drive, the old one, 64 megabytes, and the tiny micro SD card holding the equivalent of 6,250 of the original thumb drives. Let's have a little fun with math. Because that thumb drive held the equivalent of 45 3.5-inch floppy disks, the micro SD card would be the equivalent of 281,250 of those little floppy disks. And just in case you're wondering, each of those little floppy disk cases, the plastic ones, was 3.3 millimeters thick. So you could put them in a stack that would be 928,000 millimeters tall. 928 meters, about 3,045 feet. 
That's nearly six-tenths of a mile, assuming I did the math right. Should your memory needs be not quite that huge, there are micro SD cards ranging in size from 32 gigabytes for about $15 to 256 gigabytes for about $130. Or you could buy a 16 gigabyte card with a little pocket change, about 10 bucks. <laughs> short circuits, Equifax breach, huge. This isn't going to go down as the largest breach in history, but it could be the worst we've seen so far because of what thieves walked off with. What could a thief do with your credit card number, birth date, home address, and social security number? Obviously, a lot. And that's what crooks exfiltrated from Equifax for 209,000 consumers, they also grabbed personal details from 182,000 disputed transactions. Overall, Equifax says that information from 143 million consumers was exposed. The company has hired a cybersecurity firm to figure out what went wrong. Equifax has information on more than 800 million consumers and nearly 100 million businesses on its servers. Equifax chairman Richard Smith characterized the event as disappointing and said the company has established a special website with further information. There's a link to that special Equifax website on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The security landscape is frustrating at best. Toward the end of the last century, Norton Antivirus was the application, the one that seemed to provide the best protection. In 1990, Norton sold the company to Symantec. Since then, it's been a challenge to find a system that works without needlessly hampering users. Under Symantec's leadership, Norton Antivirus became large, bloated, and slow. Users abandoned it for other applications, but most of those also eventually became large, bloated, and slow. Microsoft Security Essentials seemed to be a good choice, but then development stalled. I went back to third-party solutions. A few months ago, I tried a Spanish protective application called Panda. It seemed to tread lightly on resources. But then I found that Panda Antivirus automatically uninstalled an application that I use and I noticed that it blocked access to other applications that I had determined to be useful and safe. Dealing with Panda's support group turned out to be an exercise in frustration and futility, so with more than 200 days remaining on a year's subscription, two-thirds of a year, I abandoned Panda. Less than half an hour after I filled out the termination notice on Panda's website, the company sent me an email telling me I was in danger of losing my protection. In fact, I already knew that. So now my computers are protected by Microsoft Security Essentials, Malwarebytes, and Ransom Free. This seems to be a viable combination. Microsoft Security Essentials handles the firewall and basic protective functions, Malwarebytes watches for unwelcome applications, and Ransom Free is designed to detect and thwart attempts to maliciously encrypt files. There is no perfect solution, that's for sure. But these three applications seem to work together without getting in each other's way. 
That was a design consideration by Malwarebytes from the beginning, and Ransom Free seems to be taking a similar approach. Your experience may differ, but so far I have tried and eliminated Norton Symantec, Webroot, AVG, Avira, McAfee, Bitdefender, Kaspersky, Avast, and ESET. There are others I haven't tried, but I've always felt that protective measures created by the developer of the operating system would be the best choice. Microsoft Security Essentials might not have all the bells and whistles included with third-party applications, but it does get out of its own way, it plays well with others, and it offers good baseline protection. And speaking of baselines, there are none on spare parts, which is only on the website. This week, you will find backup software publisher Cronus has added several new features to this year's version of True Image. Adobe and Microsoft have agreed to cooperate with each other on enterprise-wide applications. And a survey of security professionals says that some of the most dangerous applications are the ones we use every day. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.